0: Well, good morning. Would you stand to your feet this morning and let's pray. Father, we come to you once again in the name of Jesus and Lord. We want to thank you for this wonderful opportunity, this privilege, Father, to stand before these people. And, Father, just to break bread together. Father, we thank you for your word that is the bread of life to us. And your word sustains us through every situation that we face. Father, we thank you for the music that we that we participated in today, Father, that is worship to you and a reminder of a God in the midst of a storm. No matter what challenges of life that we face, Father God, that you are here in the midst of the storm. You are with your people. You guide us every step of the way. Father God, we're reminded of uh, Peter whenever he was sinking. Jesus, you reached out and you walked through the storm with Peter. Father, you made a way. We thank you that you make a way in our lives today. Father, we're so grateful today. Lord, once again, as we step out of ourselves and into you, I thank you that you begin to think through our minds, see through our eyes, speak through our lips, and even touch through our hands. Father, we're believing that the anointing that is in this ministry will reach out to everyone in this house and make a difference, a forever change. Father, we're careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in the majesty of Jesus' name. And if you agree with that prayer, shout a big amen. amen. Turn and tell somebody you're in the right place today. Are you in the right place? I believe we are. You can go ahead and be seated. Appreciate you coming out this morning. Appreciate those that are watching online. For anyone who doesn't know us, we are Micaiah Ministries. I say us because I do have a colleague who's up in Vincennes, Indiana ministering this morning. He'll be here next week. Everybody say next week. And so I want you to be sure to come back out, bring folks with you next week, uh, because I believe that Brother Todd's got a good word for you next week. We're doing things a little bit different this year because we just believe that God has a good word for the body here at Wellspring and also, uh, for the church up there in Vincennes. And so, we're privileged to be with you, and uh, so if you don't know us, we are Micaiah Ministries. We've been traveling all over the United States, Canada, Mexico, Costa Rica, Russia, Norway, Burma, Malaysia, Finland, Jordan, Egypt, China, Japan, India, and as I say, each and every time, you can tell I practice that a time or two, been doing it since 1981, so can you believe it? We are celebrating nearly 40 years of ministry. Is that amazing? I'm telling you, I don't know if it's amazing to you, but it's amazing to me, all right? And uh, you're going to hear some stories this morning that'll make you. Understand why it's amazing that we've been actually doing this for 40 years. Uh, I believe in the music that we sang. This. How many of you believe in the music that we sang this morning? Tell, that was a word preached just through the music. If you were listening to the songs. That was a word preached. I thought we could say amen and go home even just after the music this morning because that truly was a word preached today through the music. And I appreciated that. But God is in the midst of every storm. If we'll just believe him and reach out to him and trust him, he's in the midst of every storm. Amen? Amen. Now, some of you are wondering what's been going on over in Russia. Let me give you a quick update. Uh, those of you who aren't familiar with us, we have two homes in Russia. Russia for youth in crisis, 90% of young people that age out of the orphanage system end up on the streets, Uh, drugs, alcohol, imprisonment, prostitution, suicide, it's horrible. Do you know the suicide rate since the pandemic has increased here in the United States, I'm told, by 57%. Stop and think about that. I've even heard of some pastors who have been on the verge of suicide. It's very real. And God expects us to reach out to people and make a difference in people's lives. I'm told amongst some youth in some areas, and I know some of those areas, I've been to some of those areas, the suicide rate is on the increase up to six and seven hundred percent. Stop and think about that. We need to do something about it. God has called Micaiah Ministries to reach out to the young people, and we're doing the work, even though Brother Todd and I have not been able to be back to Russia this year since the pandemic. Uh, They locked down, closed down the borders. We're not allowed back in, and uh, it's been a a time that we've had to learn how to deal with, uh, you know, your pastor and I were talking just a little bit uh, for a few minutes before the service and how that he's training up leaders right here at Wellspring uh, so that, uh, you know, things go on even if he's not here. And I said, oh, we can relate to that. Uh, God exhorted us several years ago. We needed to train up the leadership over in Russia so that they could continue without us. We were going every every two to three months over there, uh, but uh, we've been training them up, and we haven't been back all year long, and they've been able to continue on successfully without us. Why? Because they're good leaders, all right? And God has just been ministering to them, and uh, and so the work continues over there. People have been asking us, are you going to get back for your traditional New Year's Christmas holiday over there, the... Uh, the uh, uh, the time that we go back in December, January, well, uh, we've had hopes. Our hope is dwindling. I'm just going to be honest with you. Our hope is dwindling that we'll be able to go back. I keep getting reports almost daily on how that the restrictions over there are ever increasing. Uh, they've had a spike, an increase in uh, the those that are getting sick from the pandemic. And so uh, it's looking less and less likely that Brother Todd and I will be able to make it back in December. But I keep saying concerning everything that we're going through, God knew. Come on now. How many of you know that's right today? God knew. God is not caught off guard. He's been preparing us. He's been preparing the ministry over there. Uh, we weren't able to take back to Russia the backpacks that we normally take. There's a, a group in Tulsa, Oklahoma area that provides us free backpacks for our backpack giveaway to the orphanages. We weren't able to do that this summer. And so we're responsible to buy the backpacks over there in Russia, which are more expensive than if we went to Walmart and bought them here. And what was wonderful was the church there was giving them to us for free, but now it's going to cost us. How many of you know God knew? Yeah. And uh, uh, the things that we put in the backpacks... Uh, we're not able to take them over. I have birthday. People know that I love my birthday. Oh, I'll tell you what. I celebrate my birthday. I started several years ago. You know, I said 50 days of celebrating 50. And uh, and so now that I'm going to be 60 in February, people say, your birthday just goes on and on and on. But what's happened is people have caught hold of celebrating my birthday. And what most of them have done is they don't give me gifts. What they do is they give me gifts for the young people. People over in Russia, they buy me a coat for Russia, they buy me a pair of jeans for Russia, they buy me a shirt for Russia, they buy me socks and underwear for Russia and so I'm able to pack all of these things in suitcases and our teams are able to take those items over there and they're the Christmas New Year's presents that we give away while we're over there during December, January. Well, that didn't happen this year. Normally right now what I'm doing is I'm ordering things from Party City and different places like that. The tablecloths, the the plates, the napkins, the cups, all of those things that I can get cheaper here in the States, they're much more expensive over there in Russia. Normally, I can't even find enough of one thing. You know, I like to do matching. You know, if it's Christmas trees, I like to do matching Christmas tree things. Well, I can find six or eight, and then I got to find another six or eight and another six or eight. And I, I told our staff, though, the other day in a Skype meeting, I said, you're going to have to go online, see if you can find enough of the same thing. If you can't, make it a hodgepodge podge. It won't matter. Things will be different this year, but it'll be all right. And all of those things, what we're having to do is we're having to buy them over there where it's more expensive. But I keep saying, God knew. Everybody say, God knew. And so I don't get worried. I don't get caught up in those things. You know, I could stress out about those things, but I'm just not worrying about it because I know that people are praying for this ministry. They tell us all the time they're praying for us. And so how many of you know, Brother Eddie and I were talking before the service, where God guides, he provides. Or somebody else says, if it's God's will, it's his bill. All right, so we know that God is taking care of the situation. We're not caught up in it. We're not concerned about it. We know that God is making provision. And uh, somebody said, well, why is this so important to you to talk about it? Well, because of the fact that uh, these Christmas New Year's events, they're like our summer camps and other things that we do. They're outreaches that 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 let it be known, the work that we do over there in Russia for these young people are our directors, they take our residents to the orphanage or the orphanage comes to us. This year, what's going to happen is we're going to go to the orphanage. Uh, everybody has to have a COVID test before they get to go to the orphanage and that's going to cost us money. And they're laying out all of these things and our staff are feeling a little bit overwhelmed and I keep telling them, it's okay, God knew. And uh, But what's important about it is a young man by the name of Ilya, for example, and Connie, if you'll go ahead and put on those pictures behind me, I want you to see Ilya, he he came to one of our uh, New Year's parties when he was 13 years old. It's the first picture that will come up here on the screen. And uh, uh, he was a boy that when he was five years old, he was tied up into a chair and forced to watch his mother be tortured. And then after the torturers finished with his mother, then they tortured him as well. And so Ilya was sent to an orphanage at five years old, placed in there for the, for the remainder. And, uh, you can imagine the woundedness that was in him. When he came to our place at 13, just for one afternoon, you could see that laughter, that joy on his face. Well, he was a wounded boy by the time that he uh, was, uh, well, actually, he didn't even get to age out of the orphanage. They were done with him. They sent him to the equivalent of what we would call a sheriff's ranch here in the States uh, because he was such a rude, obnoxious, uh, abusive young boy, and, uh, and so they were done with him. Well, when he went to that place, uh, you know, it just seemed to get worse in him, and by the time that he was 18, they were ready to get rid of him. And uh, there was one of our residents who had maintained contact on the social network with Ilya and said, Remember the Big Yellow House. Why don't you come to the Big Yellow House? Because Ilya was forced to be living on the street uh, by the time he was 18. And uh, and so uh, he contacted us asking us, Can I come and live at your house? And uh, uh, our staff called the orphanage directors and they said, you don't want that boy in your home. He's nothing but trouble. He's no good. How many of you know God likes to take no good and make good out of it? He likes to take what everybody else considers worthless and make it valuable. God likes to turn situations around. And, and so that's what God began to do. We invited Ilya to come, and we like the hard cases, and we just take him on in. And, and so he came to live at our house, and he had a dream. He wanted to go to a culinary school, and you saw the pictures up there. Uh, we sent him to culinary school, and doesn't he look good? <laughs> doesn't he look good when he's all dressed up looking like that chef? And he plates food. He wins first place. When he's plating and decorating and, and his meals are wonderful and uh, we're so proud of him. Now, when I first met him, though, I have to tell you, almost two years ago when I first met him, I thought, now I know what the orphanage people were talking about. I watched him, how he interacted with other residents and with our staff, and he was a rude, obnoxious boy, a oh, rude. I just wanted to take him out back and horsewhip him. You know that kind of one I'm talking about. And, and And I watched this, but our staff were so patient and loving and showed the love of Christ. Oh, yes, there was discipline. But how many of you know discipline can also be love? It's discipleship training. And so here it is. They were discipling him. And, and so this past January, when I was over there, I saw a different young man. And, you know, uh, he, he, uh, he watched as my son Ilya and I were sitting together playing a game on my phone. We were playing the uh, version of, of backgammon over there in Russia. It's a little bit different. It's called Nardi. And, uh, And tall Ilya walks into the room, sits right down beside me as close as he can get, pulls out his phone and starts playing a game and angles it so I can watch him play his game while I'm playing a game with my son. And then he leans his head over onto my shoulder, just needing a little bit of fatherly attention. He came to me afterwards and he said, you know, he said, I have a dream. He said... uh, He said, I want to open up my own restaurant someday. I thought, oh, that's a good dream. Because in those orphanages, there's a lot of dream killers. And he said, I want to open up a restaurant someday. And then he looked at me and he said, but I'm not going to allow any rude people in my restaurant. I thought, oh, my God has been showing the mirror to this boy. And what he saw in himself, he doesn't like to see in other people. You know, this summer, Ilya went to Sochi and uh, was involved in a youth camp for young people in crisis for two months down there in Sochi. Just pouring love and attention and care into other youth in crisis who come from situations like his. Ilya's life has been being transformed. He wrote me from that camp and he said, I sure miss my Uncle Kent and I love you. Uh, I have a, a closet over there in Russia that's got all my baking and cooking supplies uh, because, uh, you know, I, I don't want my knives to be used as screwdrivers. Okay. I don't want my, uh, pans to be used as dog dishes and some of the things that we find happening whenever we've got untrained young people. And so I've got this special closet for whenever I'm over there preparing for the New Year's parties and the Christmas parties. And, and, uh, I told Sergey, I said, uh, I, I'm going to trust you. Open up that closet and you and Ilya and uh, they also involved Colia, another boy that you'll see next week when Brother Todd shows you a video. But uh, they were in the closet, and they sent Uncle Kent a hello. They're waving. They've got a video of them going through my stuff in the closet. They're making the preparations without me. And uh, Ilya is going to head up this rude, obnoxious boy who God has so changed his heart. Last year when I tried to involve him in cooking with me, he was too good for that. This year he's heading it up and being a blessing to all the other invited guests and the orphans that our family will reach out to. You're a part of what's going on in Russia. That's why these parties are so important because they open the door for young people who are in crisis to see that God has a place for them where he can transform their lives. Amen? Amen. Father, I lift up my friends to you. I thank you for their prayer support, their financial support to this ministry, um, how that uh, they've just been, as our brother said, uh, we've been part of this family. They've been part of our family for so many years. And uh, Father, we think about them so often whenever we're not even here and we pray for them and I know that they pray for us. And so Father, I thank you that you are blessing this congregation, this family of believers in very special ways because they're being obedient to your word and they follow through with what you've commissioned us to do. And so Father, I thank you that they walk in peace and joy and provision and healing and health. All those things that you say that you provide for those who carry the weight of the poor on their shoulders, those that are less fortunate, the widow. Father, those that are burdened down with the cares of this world. Father, as they lift up others around them, Father, I thank you that you cause them to be blessed, and I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you, if you will, to open your Bibles today over to Proverbs chapter 16 and in verse 1. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 1. Thank you for all that you've done for the ministry through the years and what you continue to do. We appreciate it so much. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 1. Some of you might remember reading in the newsletter or seeing on Facebook. Others, uh, pastors have told me, they said, you need to tell the story. They said, because not everybody follows you on Facebook. Shame on you if you don't. And not everybody gets your newsletters. Well, you can if you'd like to. Just give me your name and address. And they said, so you need to tell the stories because not everybody is aware of what happened last December. We, we left you folks, uh, last November, went down into Arkansas, or it was late November, early December, whatever it was that we were here, and, and we went down into Arkansas, did our meetings down there in Arkansas. We left on Sunday afternoon after the Sunday morning meeting and started towards, uh, Oklahoma, Texas. We were on our way to Phoenix, Arizona to fly out, catch a flight, uh, just about a week later to go over to St. Petersburg, Russia. And uh, uh, we had noticed that there was mist on the windshield, didn't think much about it as we drove. Uh, it was starting to have some snow flurries on Sunday night, so we pulled off at a hotel, got rest. The next morning, <coughs> no snow, uh, everything seemed fine. We're driving down Interstate 40, we're about 12 miles from the Texas-Oklahoma border. Whenever I said to Brother Todd, would you check the uh, weather app and see what the weather's like ahead of us? Uh, over in Amarillo, Texas, and uh, he checked the weather app and he said, oh, he said, it's a lot like here. Everything's fine. Just keep going. And, uh, and so as soon as he got that out of his mouth, I looked ahead and I noticed that there was a little car on the other side of this bridge that was headed my direction in my lane of traffic. And I said, what on earth? And I hurried and got over into the left-hand lane so that we could avoid a head-on collision. And as soon as we got into that left-hand lane of traffic, we connected with the bridge, and the bridge was covered in black ice. As soon as we got on that bridge, the truck started swerving from side to side. Some of you remember that fifth wheel travel trailer? I mean, it was connecting with that bridge. We were just banging down the highway side to side. After it was all over with, people told me they were surprised because we were such a high-profile vehicle that we actually didn't go over the bridge. As we were tailing down that road, uh, the first thought I had was, I don't want to kill Todd. Todd. At least not today. Hallelujah. No. I really did. I thought, well, I don't want to kill Brother Todd. And, and then the next thought I had was, I'm going to heaven. Can I tell you I got excited now I know some of you look at me strange I'm not suicidal I'm just telling you I have preached about heaven for so long I heard the stories when I was a child all about heaven I have longed for heaven people make fun of me about the music that I listen to especially brother Todd he's always making fun of me because I'm listening to what he calls Bill Gaither music that old stuff you know that stuff from way back and I started psychoanalyzing why do I listen to that kind of music more than the modern stuff well, because in that old music, they were always talking about heaven. I long for heaven. I think about heaven all the time. How beautiful heaven must be. Heaven is my home. And so I started getting excited because I'm thinking today I'm going to heaven to that city built for a square. And I got excited about it. Hallelujah. You see, what threat is death to me? Come on now. If I'm a believer, if we say we believe it, we should respond like we believe it. Death should not be a threat. Uh, you know, Pastor Chad told me yesterday that we'd go out to lunch today. How many of you know after the service, the only way I can get to lunch is to go through the door? Well, death is no more than a door. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heaven is the reward. The only way I know to get to heaven other than the rapture is death. So what threat is death to me? We were tail spinning down the road. We went down an embankment, got about a third way down. The windows were crashing. The truck was caving in. The dirt was everywhere. And then we stopped. And obviously, it wasn't heaven. And I have to tell you, I was just a little bit disappointed. Now, the first thing that Brother Todd said was, well, we were talking about making a change, so obviously, we don't have a trailer anymore. Yeah. All right. And then the first thought that I had, after those words came out of his mouth, was that God's got a plan, and he has the final word. Everybody say God has the final word. So I started looking into it. Here it is in Proverbs chapter 16 and in verse 1. We humans make plans. Now, some of you are planning on being out of here by 1130 because when Pastor Chad's not preaching, it's usually a little earlier. Well, you can forget it. Hallelujah. We humans make plans. But look at the rest of this. He said, but the Lord has the final word. Everybody say the Lord has the final word. You know, I was thinking about it all through the song service. I thought, you know, Brother Ryan and I, we hadn't even talked about uh, the service today and what I was ministering on, but I thought, boy, God has sure connected all the way from the very get-go. I mean, here it is, all these storms, these challenges of life, everything that people are talking... Do you know I get on that Facebook like some of the rest of you do, and I notice so-and-so decorated for Christmas already, and -and so-and-so decorated for Christmas already, and, and somebody else decorated for Christmas already. I drove down my street the other day... And I counted 10 or 12 people that already have their outside lights on. They've already decorated for Christmas. You know, here it is. I thought I was early because I started decorating for Christmas. And I thought people are going to think I'm crazy. But I've been going around my my house singing, Oh, we need a little Christmas right this very minute. Come on now. I mean, everything that we've been through this year, people are feeling like they just need something To brighten the day. So through every time, and listen, I'm not trying to downplay what you're going through today. Whatever it is, if it's a doctor's bad report, if it's a financial bad report, I'm not trying to downplay those things, but I'm going to tell you why is it that we allow ourselves to be distracted and focused on what the experts... Now listen, I'm not meaning any disrespect when I say this today, but whatever it is that you're going through, why do you rely totally on the expert, whoever they are? on now, the doctor, the lawyer, the realtor, the banker, the psychiatrist, the counselor, the marriage expert, the financial expert, they're not on the throne. God is still on the throne. Hallelujah. So why do we listen and rely totally on the expert? We can find principles in the word of God so that we can line up and connect with God in such a way that God can have the final word. Now, listen, when I say that God has the final word, a lot of times people find something when a, when a minister is ministering or when they're reading their Bibles. And they say, oh, there's a good promise. And they take hold of that promise. And, you know, somebody may give a word of knowledge or prophecy. And, and so here it is that you think, okay, well then if God says he's going to do it, then I don't have to do anything. I can just sit back and expect that God's going to do it. You know, God's going to make provision in my life so I'm I'm not responsible anymore or God's going to heal me I'm not responsible anymore or God's going to give me peace so I'm not responsible anymore. Wait a minute. Holy Spirit spoke this to me and I believe it does line up with the word of God. When Holy Spirit says that he's going to do something he expects us to play an active role in his plans. I think I need to say that again. When Holy Spirit says that he's going to do something, he expects us to play an active role in his plans. He's not giving us permission for us to sit back and be lazy doing nothing. He expects us to listen to his instructions and do it. I was reminded of Ephesians chapter 3.20 this morning whenever I was preparing this message in my heart and I was meditating on things and and I already knew some of the things that I was going to minister. But, you know, Holy Spirit just reminded me of clear back in in, uh, the early days of this ministry back in 1981 when we started and we started off in a 68 Chevy Biscayne rattle trap vehicle, bald tires, rust spots, cracked windshield, torn apart seats. Some of you heard me tell that before. I was in an airport one time and I'd just been at a leadership conference and, and I, was, I was picking up a, a package of gum and uh, one of those word search puzzle books and after I'd paid I turned around and there's this giant camera in my face and this guy behind the camera says, tell the car story and uh, he wanted to take it back to his country and play it for their people. And, and so here it is. We started off in a 68 Chevy Biscayne rattle trap vehicle, bald tires, rust spots, cracked windshield, torn apart seats. We pulled behind us a 16 foot sh- uh, 14-foot Shasta travel trailer, 68-year model, had an old-fashioned ice box, a couple of bunk beds. That was the extent of it. People said that we weren't going to make it in ministry. People said, you'll be off the road in six months. Our best friend said they'd give us a year and then we'd be off the road. But here it was in the first 24 hours we had faced so much adversity we're driving through the mountains of New Mexico and and the road is starting to get iced over we pull off at a roadside rest wake up the next morning to the sound of a honking horn it's a policeman outside of our trailer hollering are you still alive in there? there's two inch icicles hanging from the inside of the trailer and we're in the middle of a blizzard we get out of that trailer start down the road we get about a mile down the road and that old clunker gave out on us we sat there, broke down on the side of the road, and you all can tell by looking at me, I don't know anything about working on vehicles. But don't let Brother Todd fool you. Back in those days, he didn't know anything about working on them either, all right? He got out, and he looked at underneath the hood of the car, and and he shook his hood, slammed the car hood back down, got back in the car, and I said, what's wrong? He said, I don't know. Well, that's all it took from me. I said, they're wrong. All those people who said six months, it hasn't even been 24 hours. And then the word of the Lord came to me out of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now unto him who is able, come on now, to do exceedingly, abundantly, are you hearing me today, above all that you can ask or think, See, it's so easy for us to go there. Oh, I like that. God is able. He can do more than I could ever ask or think. Oh, I got some pretty big dreams. And God is able. But wait a minute. He said you got to connect with the last part of that scripture. He said it's according to the power that works in you. See, there's a responsibility put on to the believer. It's just not that God says I'm going to do it, no. He says if you'll connect with me, if you'll do the things that I tell you to do, then I will be responsible with follow through and I'll bring you through the storm. I'll bring you through the challenges. I'll make the difference in your life. Come on now. But it's our responsibility to begin to connect with God. He's not giving permission for us to sit back and be lazy doing nothing. He expects us to listen to his instructions and do it. Uh, you know, there's a there's a couple in Ohio that came to us and uh uh they were in our service. I, I carry their picture around. Uh them and their their little baby I think his name was David if I'm not mistaken here it was this couple had come on a, on a Wednesday night we were there during a revival that we were having and these extended meetings and uh, what had happened was she had become pregnant and then uh, the baby had disconnected now I don't know all the medical terminology so please forgive me but the the, the baby had disconnected from the placenta and the doctor <clears throat> on her visit on that Wednesday afternoon told her that she was just supposed to go home and put her feet up and that uh, uh, the baby was going to self-abort in the next few hours. And uh, and so there was no way that the baby could be reattached to the placenta. And so she just needed to understand that she was going to have a miscarriage that night. And, uh, and, and so he had prepared her for it to go home and just put your feet up and just rest. And then when it happens, it happens. And she said, no, I'm not going to do that. Come on now. She said, Micaiah Ministries is in town this week. And she said, I'm going to church tonight. And she said, I'm going to have those boys lay hands on me. Everybody calls us the boys. Hallelujah. Those boys. I said to Todd, when are we going to become the men? But anyway, she said, I'm going to have those boys lay hands on me. And I'm going to believe God for a miracle. They came to church that night. We laid hands on her. We believed for that baby to be reconnected. As a matter of fact, somewhere in my files, I've got the before picture when the baby is disconnected from the placenta. And I've got the after picture when the baby was reconnected to the placenta. And the results are, we got a little baby boy. Why? Because she was obedient to do. Everybody say obedient to do. You know, there was another couple that came to church in Ohio, and, and it was one of our extended meetings, and, and uh, it was a, a good-sized congregation. They kind of just came in, sat in the back of the church. You know how people do slip in, slip out. They don't want to be noticed. And so they came in, sat on the back row, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said to me, I want them to have a child. Actually, what he said to me was, I want them to have a son. Now, I was very young back in those days, and nobody wants to be wrong. So I got a 50-50% chance of being right, son or daughter. And I just didn't want to take those chances. So I just interpreted it, I want them to have a child. And uh, and so uh, here it is. I thought, well, after the service, you know, when we do the altar call, then they'll come up and we'll lay hands on them and pray for. Them. Oh no! Uh, at the end of the service, when it was closing, they went ahead and slipped out. And I looked at Brother Todd and I said, "Hey, uh, I have a word for these folks. You pray for the people up here." And so I went back to the back, and the husband had already gone out to the car. It's winter; the snow is coming down. He's out there heating up the truck, and and uh, his wife and mother and uh, and and his mother are back there putting on their coats. And I walked up to the woman and I said to her, I said, uh, a a word from God came to me that he wants you to have a child. And she began to weep profusely. And her mother-in-law said, they can't have children. Said, uh, they've had five miscarriages. And the doctor said that they shouldn't try. They just had a miscarriage just a few months earlier. Said they should not try anymore because it's dangerous for her health. And I looked at this woman and I said, well, whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the doctors or are you going to believe the report of the Lord? And she tried to get it out there. I want to believe the report of the Lord. I said, okay, now I'm going to lay hands on you and I'm going to pray for you because God spoke to me. He wants you to have a child. I didn't say son. I'm too afraid to say son. And I said, he wants you to have a child. And I said, but you're responsible to do your part. Put your hand on your heart and say, I'm responsible to do my part. Come on now. I'm responsible. You need to say it. I'm responsible to do my part. Some of you aren't listening. I'm responsible to do my part. So I looked at this woman and I said, "Uh, what does the Bible say about you? Now, some of you need to catch a principle here today. How many of you know there's power in our words? What does it tell us over in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 20? He said, there's power of life and death in the tongue, and those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Can can I give you the contemporary English translation of that? Because I think it makes it more impactful. He said, make your words good. See, some of you going around talking the problem, you line up with every problem that you read on Facebook. You line up with every problem that you hear coming from the news channel. You line up with every problem that the doctor says. Every problem that the banker says. You're watching the Dow Jones or whatever it is that you're paying attention to. And you're completely lining up with the problem and talking the problem. But he says, make your words good. You will be glad you did. Words bring death or life. Talk too much and you'll eat everything that you say. Let me read to you just a, a few other scriptures here. He said in Psalms chapter 35, 27, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually. Let them say continually. Let them say continually. We need to make it habit forming. To line our words up with the word of God. What is God saying about your situation? What does the Bible say about me? Not what does man say about me. Not what my parents said about me. Not what my grandparents said about me. Not what my siblings said about me. Not what my schoolmates said about me. No. What does God's words say about me? And line those words up continually. Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Do you know God wants you to have a good life? God doesn't want you going around through life being miserable all the time. Psalm chapter 35 Excuse me, Psalm chapter 35, verse 28. He said, and my tongue shall speak thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 1. Love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, and his commands always. Psalm chapter 31, 1 through 2. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So right here, we've already seen two more principles that I'm going to be getting to. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad, magnify, uh, managing your blessings. All right. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 3. He that keepeth his mouth keeps his life. He that keeps his mouth keeps his life. But he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. I said this to a woman. I said... I'm going to lay hands on you, I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to believe God that, that he's going to line your system up the way that it needs to be lined up. I said, but you have a part to play in this. I said, the Bible says that the fruit of your womb is blessed. That's what he says of a woman the fruit of your womb is blessed I said so instead of saying what the doctor said about you all the time I said you need to get up in the morning and put your hand on your stomach and say the fruit of my womb is blessed you need to go out throughout the day and say the fruit of my womb is blessed when you go to bed at night you need to declare over yourself the fruit of my womb is blessed and so we prayed over her and then I went out to the car where her, or the truck where her husband was and he was a little bit stunned at what was going on because I approached him I said the word of the Lord came to me that he wants you to have a child and I said you play a part in this and so I began to minister to him the same way I ministered to his wife and I said you need to get up in the morning and lay your hands on your wife's stomach and declare over her the fruit of my wife's womb is blessed and throughout the day when you think about it you need to declare because there's no distance in the realm of the spirit the fruit of my wife's womb is blessed and at night before you go to bed last thing you need to do is roll over and lay hands on your wife's stomach and declare to her the fruit of my wife's womb is blessed well you know three months later I got a letter from the pastor's wife and she wrote to me and she said you know that couple that you prayed for she said they're pregnant hallelujah pray for them she said pray for them so that they can carry this baby and so six months into it she wrote me and she said you know that couple that you prayed for they're still pregnant hallelujah and she said the doctor said that if she'll go home and put her feet up and take care of herself that he believes that she might be able to carry this one full term hallelujah six months later she wrote to me and she said they have a baby glory to God Well, at the next revival that we had there, this woman came to me, (coughs) brought this little boy. I'm holding it, praying for it. I'm so excited. Word of the Lord came to me and said, well, now there's one, but I'm not done. Hallelujah. I don't normally speak in poetry, but that's what the word of the Lord came to me. Now there's one, but I'm not done. So I looked at the woman and I told her that and she smiled great big. Next year, we got another one. It's a little girl. Hallelujah. She brings that little girl to me. I'm laying hands on her, holding that little girl. And all of a sudden, the word of the Lord came to me. Well, now there's two, but I'm not through. So I looked at her, and I I gave her the word of the Lord, and she kind of tentatively, hesitantly smiled at me. And they had a third one, a little boy. The mother-in-law came to church the next year, no children. Next year, no children. About five years into it, I looked at the mother-in-law and I said, are your kids afraid of me? She said, yes. I said, well, the word of the Lord didn't come to me, this is just me, but you can just go ahead and tell them now there's three and they're set free. Hallelujah. There was a couple in Oklahoma had a similar story. They had three kids and, and uh, they came to us and said, well, you turned it on, now turn it off. How many of you know, if you're responsible to do what God says to do, His promises will be fulfilled in our lives. That other scripture that I read to you shows us that obedience matters. Everybody say obedience matters. Whatever it is that God's telling you to do, obedience matters. Let me tell you another story. I'm full of stories this morning. Let me tell you another story. Uh, Earlier this year when the whole COVID shutdown took place, uh, we weren't able to go to any churches. Seven weeks. How many of you know when you are a traveling minister... Most of your finances come in by traveling. It's not like you've got the local congregation that you can rely on that wants their church to remain open. Come on now. And we'll continue to support. And so here it is at one point in the shutdown. Our bank account was down to $6. I believe it was $6.78 or $6.48, whatever it was. And and so I Skyped with our staff over in Russia because I wanted to prepare them. You know, I mean, uh, there's been months that Brother Todd and I have purposely sacrificed our salaries because there were things that we wanted to accomplish over in Russia. And throughout the history of this ministry, we've never taken our full salary because we believe in our ministry more than we believe in lining our own pockets. And so I just wanted to prepare them because they have never not gotten paid. And the bank account's down to $6.48. And we're not getting to travel into the churches. So they need to go ahead and be prepared that there just might be an opportunity that they join Brother Todd and I in sacrificing. And so when I told them that the bank account was down to $6.48, their eyes bugged out. I mean, they got as wide as 50-cent pieces. But I looked at them and I said, now God knew. I said, and he's not caught off guard. I said, back in the world financial crisis of 2008, this ministry didn't just survive, it thrived. And so we're going to believe God for the same thing in this crisis. That this ministry will thrive and not just survive. How many of you know God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people? That's what we just read. So therefore, God doesn't want us just to survive. He wants us to go ahead and to thrive. And so about three days later, I get an email from Sergey. And uh, you know we had discussed on this Skype meeting how that we had built the first adi- uh, the first phase of Restoration House. You know here it was we were uh, 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 needing to uh, raise a hundred thousand dollars in that first year to build the Restoration House, and uh, we had a car wreck and and so we were damaged ninety four thousand dollars. We had never even raised eighty eight thousand dollars in a year, and so now we're going to need up to almost three hundred thousand dollars, and we're in the midst of a world fine financial crisis, and one of my friends told me, uh, said, you need to stop telling people that you're going to build a house when you know you can't do it. How many of you know you are surrounded by people who will tell you you can't do it? But God says you can do it. But again, it's not just that you rely on him. Okay, God, you said it's going to happen, so it'll happen. No, I have to be obedient to do what he tells me to do. And so during that time, God told me, show pictures and tell stories. Well, I've been showing and pi- showing pictures and telling stories ever since. And we built debt-free in a world financial crisis. We built an addition debt-free. We built a girl's home, debt-free. We built another addition, debt-free. And we built staff housing, debt-free. Hallelujah. Why? Because of obedience. Everybody say obedience. All right. And, and so here it is. I'm telling Sergei and Olya these stories, and I'm preparing them. Three days later, I get an email from Sergey you know, we want to do our part in helping this ministry. And so we think that one of the things that we could do is we could learn to work the land better. And uh, and one of the things we'd like to do is we'd like to build a chicken coop. And, and, and I thought, well, that's a good thing. I've been trying to get you for 10 years to build a chicken coop and raise chickens. And so they thought, you know, we can we can have our own eggs and, and, and you know, we can save a little bit of finances in the grocery bill if we raise chickens. And I thought, well, this is, this is good. And I thought they were going to say, you know, Brother Todd's got some scrap lumber around here. You know, this is how we build a chicken coop. Whenever I was growing up, you know, we took an old fruit stand that we found on the property that we had purchased and we turned it into a chicken coop. But no, Sergei says to me, uh, we want to spend about $600 and, and build this chicken house. And I, I turned to Brother Todd and I said, why don't these people listen? I just got done telling them, we've got $6.48 in the bank account. And now they want to spend $600 on a chicken house. And I'm getting really frustrated when all of a sudden Holy Spirit says they did listen. They listened to the last part louder than the first part. Hallelujah. They heard thrive louder than they heard $6.48. They heard that God makes provision in a crisis louder than they heard that there's no money. And so I said to them, okay, I released the credit card. Go ahead and spend the $600. And all of a sudden, I looked at the credit card, and they'd spent over $1,200. And I wrote to Sergey. I said, what's going on? Why did you spend twice the money? He said, well, we decided that we needed a chicken house twice the size. In crisis. We need a chicken house twice the size because it's just not enough chickens. And so I had to go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to believe God with you. They spent over $2,200. I said to Brother Todd, this is not a chicken house. This is a chicken mansion. <laughs> those walls are this thick. Brother Todd looked at me and he said, well, you know, Kent, he said they had to do it. He said, otherwise, in January, those chickens would be carrying their own axe up to the house, knocking on the door saying, please chop my head off. It's too cold. You know what? God paid for it. I've been telling people we built debt free again in a crisis. Hallelujah! Why? Because we learn obedience. Now let me tell you the obedience. Here it is: six dollars and forty eight cents. I go to the uh, I go to the uh, tag agency with a friend of mine where we buy our our RVs from. And uh, when we go down there to the tag agency, there's this man in a wheelchair that's outside the tag agency, and he starts talking to my friend. I'm thinking he's not talking to me, and so I escaped. Y'all have done those, things like that too. And I'm thinking, this is not my problem. And so I escaped, and I went to my truck, and all of a sudden, Holy Spirit said to me, you're not getting to go to church on Sunday, so I want you to go back, and I want you to give that man everything that you were going to give the church on Sunday. Well, that had to be God, because I'll go out and buy you a meal, I'll go out and buy you a pair of shoes, I'll go out and buy you a coat, but I'm not going to give you money, because I've been told what you do with the money. But Holy Spirit said, I want you to give him the money. So I go back and I give the man the money and he's all excited, you know, he's going to eat now at least for a week. And so, uh, here it is, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm being obedient to Holy Spirit. The next morning there's a knock that comes to the door and, uh, and, and there's a, a man with a hundred dollar bill and he says to me, uh, somebody just gave me this hundred dollar bill and I feel like I'm supposed to give it to you. Ooh, hallelujah. Well, we got a hundred dollars and a hundred and six dollars and 48 cents. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just believing God. And, 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 and so then on Saturday, you know, a, a pastor's wife out in California, She says, you know, she said, I knew that you and Todd weren't getting paid. I don't know how she knew that, but she said, I knew that you weren't getting paid. And she said, so I sent you each 20 bucks. She said, I know it's not much, but I've sent you 20 bucks. I said, hallelujah, that's something. I appreciate it. Everybody's 20 bucks added to somebody else's 20 bucks. It makes a difference. And and then somebody else called, and then a businessman called. And he said, uh, you know, he said, uh, I already supported your ministry this month, but he said, I sent you another check, and he said, I want you to tell your secretary that this is not for the ministry, this is for you and Todd, because I know you're not getting paid. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know how these people know this, but praise God, people are listening. And all of a sudden, there's money that's coming in. And then I'm thinking, oh, praise God, there's some money. Brother Todd and I can go ahead and pay our bills this month. And Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I don't want you to take that money. I want you to send that money to Russia because you told them there's only $6.48 in the account. So now they're concerned that they won't get paid next month. So you send the money to Russia so that they will have an assurance that they're getting paid. Hallelujah. Now, I didn't hear him say, and I'll take care of you. See, to me, that's just a given. If I'm obedient, it's just a given. He'll take care of me. Can I just tell you? Those people have gotten paid two weeks early every month since we only had $6.48 in the account. Why? Because God has made provision. And Brother Todd's and my bills have gotten paid. Every month since, there was only $6.48 in the account. I hope somebody's getting something out of this this morning. See, obedience, what did David say? Obedience is better than sacrifice. So it's our responsibility this morning, not just to attach ourselves to the promises of God, but also to connect in obedience to what God has told us to do. All right, one more story. Praise and worship. We read the scripture there about that. You know, Acts chapter 16 says, At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises, and all the prisoners heard it. I like what Darby translation says, and enjoyed it. One of the reasons I love coming to Wellspring, yes, it's the people. I love you folks and I enjoy the fellowship here. But you know what? The praise and worship just seems to always connect with me. Now, there's a lot of modern praise and worship out there that I just don't connect with. But you know, Pastor Ryan, he's all the time choosing these songs that they've got a real message to them, okay? It's not something that's just, you know, oh, we're skipping through the tulips with Jesus and la la la, Jesus loves me. No. I mean, there's something that's a real message. It's kind of like new songs that have an old-fashioned kind of message that's exhortive, it's powerful, it's connecting and all the prisoners heard it and enjoyed it let me read to you another another uh, again just what he said over here I want to read it one more time to you if I can find it here I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth now, you know, I've been reflecting on the early days of the ministry, as I said this morning while I was preparing. And, uh, and I was thinking about how that we were over outside of Santa Rosa, New Mexico when we broke down. Again. In the early days of the ministry, we were breaking down all the time. You know, people are asking me, how are you enjoying, you know, not pulling that trailer? I keep saying, oh, I'm <laughs> loving not pulling that trailer. And, uh, uh, you know, back in the early days when we were, going from place to place, what we would do is we would look and we'd say, okay, here's where Pastor Chad is. In Kentucky, here's where Pastor Mark is in Dubois. We would figure out the the halfway point to get to Dubois, Pennsylvania, and we'd look at it. And we'd say, "Okay, if we break down between here and there, we'll call Pastor Chad. If we break down between here and there, we'll call Pastor Mark." Because we had the assurance we were going to break down. We just knew we were going to break down. It just was not a question of uh, uh, of if. It was a question of when we were going to break down. So we broke down out of Santa Rosa, New Mexico. <clears throat> a wheel bearing had gone out on it. And, uh, and it had welded itself to uh, the axle, I think is what it was. And, uh, and so we didn't have two plug nickels to rub against each other back in those days. We had $200 in a savings account over in Snowflake, Arizona. And it required that two people go in before the teller and sign in front of the teller before you could withdraw that $200 because we didn't trust each other back in those days. And uh, and so here it is. <clears throat> we were broke down. We had to be towed. Uh, it was going to cost, and uh, we needed the money. And thank the Lord that Brother Todd's mother was a real estate agent in town and the bank knew her, and so they get, went ahead and said they would release that money. And it was supposed to be with us on, on Friday at 11 o'clock in the morning. Well, at Friday at 11 o'clock in the morning, we called the bank and there's no money. At 12 o'clock, no money. 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, still no money. The bank is closing at 4 o'clock. The only thing that remains open is the drive-thru. So Brother Todd and I decided to walk the mile to two miles down there to the bank, and and uh, and we were like two headlights pulling up into the, the drive through you know, just as bold as could be. We just walked up there, pushed the button, and they looked at us with shock, and and they'd never had anybody walk up to the drive through And uh, we said, you know, who we were and, and asked, is our money there? And, and they said, no, the money's not there. So Brother Todd and I, instead of turning around and going home like a dog with his tail between his legs, how many of you know you don't? give up on the promises of God. No, uh, what we did was we sat down on that little box uh, there in front of the teller where you put your money in the tube and send it up in to the banker. And, uh, And so we just started exhorting one another. Now, this is a problem with a lot of people. We're always waiting for somebody else to lift us up. And I know there's a principle there. You know, if you if you think about Aaron and her and how that they lifted the arms of Moses. And that's a great thing, okay? We need to come together. But sometimes people just don't come together like that. And so what do we do? We start moaning and groaning and complaining because, oh, the pastor, he's not encouraging me. The song leader's not encouraging me. The people in the church aren't encouraging me. Well, what did David say? He said, I encouraged myself in the Lord. He didn't wait for somebody else to encourage him. He said, I encouraged myself in the Lord. So, Brother Todd and I sat there and we just started to encourage ourselves. We're fresh out of Bible school. I mean, this word is just flowing from us. My God supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If we sow, then we reap. If we give, then we increase. You know, the Bible talks to us in the word, tells us that there are those that scatter, yet they increase. But there are those who who withhold more than they should and it causes poverty. Well, God, we don't do that. We are the ones who sow. And so, we're expecting that we're going to reap. And we just kept encouraging ourselves. And all of a sudden, it's 5 o'clock, and they close the blinds and turn on the close sign. Well, for most people, that's time to give up. Not for these two. Hallelujah. I know it's closing time. I know it's give up time. But how many of you know, for us, because we're believers, it's press-in time. Everybody say, press-in time. It's not give up time. It's press-in time. Listen, I am determined, that's my money. The promise was made... I was going to leave the bank on Friday with my money. We've got to get out of town to our next meeting. And that's my money. Some of us just need to get a little bit of backbone and determination and start telling the devil, that's my peace, get your hands off my peace. That's my joy, get your hands off my joy. That's my money, get your hands off my money. That's my health, get your hands off my health. Those are my kids, get your hands off my kids. Come on now now instead of whining and complaining we need to begin to rejoice in the promise glory to god so what did we do well we started to sing praises thinking about Paul and Silas in prison Singing praises, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Yes, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. He is the King of Kings. He is the. I know they're old songs, but that was with the time we were in. All right, it was 1982. Victory, oh, victory shall be mine. Victory, oh, victory shall be mine. If I hold my peace, let the Lord fight my battle. Victory, oh, victory shall be mine. We sang loud enough that the people that were leaving the bank, the workers going home, getting in their cars, they're looking at us, those two strange characters, sitting out in the drive-thru, singing, And all of a sudden, 20 minutes after five, this little voice comes over the loudspeaker. It's one little woman left in the bank. And she said, We thought maybe you were going to stay out there all night. I said, We were. If that's what it took. We were. We'd made up our minds. I mean, we had actually talked about it. If we have to, we'll stay out here all night. Because at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. I mean, in the midst of their circumstances, they're bound in chains. They've got wounds all over their body. They're feeling miserable. See, the problem with some of you, you feel so miserable, you give up. But instead, when you're feeling miserable, why don't you press in? Find a way to connect. I know it's not easy. I've been there. I've been laying there sick and I've even laid there and prayed to die because I've been so sick. I've said, God, heaven's got to be better than this. Dying is better than this. And then Holy Spirit reminds me, you got to praise me in the midst of the circumstances. But I can't hardly even sing. But do your best. Hallelujah. We bring the sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice, God. But how many of you know that's when breakthrough happens? This little woman said, we thought you were going to stay there all night. So we went ahead and called down to Texas. Dallas, Houston, I forget where it was, where the main bank office was. She said, "Your, your transfer was just sitting on somebody's desk down there and they hadn't gotten around to it. How many of you know, it's not their problem? Other people are looking at your circumstances. I don't know, I've gone around through life and, and, and I've been going through something and I'm thinking, boy, they just act like life is great. They don't understand how miserable I am. Well, they don't. It's not their problem. They're not going through what you're going through. So why do you try to get your problem off onto everybody else and make their life a problem? There's another one. I wish I had time to preach on that one this morning. Instead, what you need to do is learn how to praise in the midst of the circumstances and begin to have a determination. That's my money. That's my health. That's my joy. That's my peace. See, whoever was where the transfer was laying on their desk, it wasn't their problem, so they didn't care about it. But we pressed through till somebody advocated. How many of you know this morning? We've got an advocate with the Father. And therein is the connection point. If we will learn to praise in the midst of the problem, the advocate rises to our defense. The advocate makes a plea before the Father. And then the release comes on our behalf. Church, we need to learn today. Just because we have a promise doesn't mean that we have the right to sit back in privilege with no activity. We need to get actively involved with God. There's another scripture that says, God working with us. God working with us. What is it that you're going through today? What challenge, what what turbulence is it in your life right now? What circumstance is overwhelming to you today? God's got the answer, but we have to find the connecting point with God. What's my obedience? What are you calling me to do? What's the word that I need to declare? What's the praise that I need to sing? God, I believe for breakthrough today in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Anybody get anything out of this today? All right, let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Father, right now, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, again, we thank you that you are the firm foundation. The other day, whenever I was in a church service, and the first song that they started to sing is, Jesus, 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 keeps me singing as I go. Jesus, you're the one who keeps us. You're the one who causes a song in our heart. The joy of the Lord is our strength. When we're feeling weak, when we're going through the storm, Father, I thank you that we have an advocate with the Father. I thank you that we're not alone in the midst of our circumstances. While your heads are bowed and everyone's having your privacy today, let me just ask you, uh, are you go, are you going through a physical challenge today? God wants to, He wants to meet your physical challenge. You know, learn to capture your thoughts. Okay, I mean, if you're going through a physical challenge, instead of just constantly thinking about the evil report, thinking about the pain, why don't you learn to capture your thoughts? Think on those things that are lovely, pure, just, a good report, things that are praiseworthy. there's any good thing think on that well what's good Jesus is good think about Jesus he's your answer if you're going through a physical challenge today I want to pray for you would you just put up your hand right where you're standing just put up your hand and and I'm gonna pray for you I see your hand I see yours and yours and yours 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 father I lift up these and if there are people that are still listening via the internet Then, Father I lift them up to you as well if it's already gone off Lord I know that there are people that were listening to the program today that are going through some physical challenges Father there's no distance in the realm of the spirit and Father I declare over each one that by Jesus stripes they are healed That you sent your word healing all those that are oppressed of the enemy. That you signed a healing contract with your people more than 2,000 years ago. When you called yourself Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. Thank you, Father, for healing virtue that flows right now in Jesus' name. I was thinking about Jairus' daughter this morning. I was thinking about the woman that came begging at Jesus' feet. said healing is the children's bread it's not for the dogs she said but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs father there's healing there's healing for everyone right now so father we take hold of that healing in Jesus name thank you father for those that are going through a financial struggle I want to pray for you Father I lift them up to you right now in Jesus name Lord I thank you that as we're obedient to give Whatever amount that it is Father And wherever it is that you challenge us to give I was talking to a lady yesterday on the telephone And she was saying I, I don't know what people think about this that as far as giving She said but I just feel like this is what I'm supposed to do And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. What matters is obedience to you to do what we are called to do. And so, Father, as we're obedient, I thank you, Father God, that your promise is available to us. We sow, we reap. We bring our tithes and offerings into the storehouse. We see that you're God. You open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings into our lives that are not containable. I thank you for financial blessings to overtake. And as I said in my ministry today, Father, that we learn how to thrive, not just survive in the midst of every circumstance. Father, I speak it over this congregation right now. The ability to thrive in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter who's in political power. It doesn't matter who's in control in this world you are in control in our lives and when we're obedient to you father we thrive because the king is still on the throne and I thank you for that father for those that are going through worrisome times because of challenges in their families whether it's marriage challenges whether it's challenges with their children they're worried about a loved one Father, I thank you that your word says that me and my household, we will serve the Lord and that becomes a declaration of our faith. Those are the things that we speak out instead of the worry. Instead of being frustrated all the time with the situation. Instead of allowing ourselves to be anxious and making ourselves sick over the situation. Father God, that we will link ourselves up to the promise in your word that you'll send messengers across the path of our unsaved loved ones Father we lift them up to you right now and we ask Lord send those messengers across their path prepare their hearts to receive Lord if there needs to be a correction prepare their hearts to receive that correction ask it in Jesus name Father, I thank you for peace and joy that overtakes. Peace and joy that overtakes. Lord, that people begin to see us as the followers of Christ that you intended us to be. Because we walk in peace. We walk in joy. We have joy-filled lives. In Jesus' name. Father God, if there are social needs that are represented here today. Father God, people who need some fellowship and encouragement. First, I'm asking that they are reminded that they can encourage themselves in the Lord. But then second, Lord, I am asking that you'd bring others across their paths. That would just link up with them and love them and encourage them and rejoice with them. Thank you for meeting those social needs. The world is trying to distance us from others, but Father, you want us to draw closer to others. So we come against that spirit of fear right now in Jesus' name that tries to overtake us and distance us from other people together in a spirit of unity, Father, unity in Christ, and I give you praise for it right now in Jesus name, Father, whatever else is that needs to be covered today that I haven't covered, I thank you that Holy Spirit, you're already covering it, Father, as people are crying out to you in this moment. Now in this place, I give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. Pastor
1: Chad, praise the Lord. Let me appreciate Micaiah Ministries. Praise the Lord. I just want you to think about something this morning Um, as he was talking about that woman uh, who was praying over her womb and had so many times been disappointed. Um, I, th- I thought back to a story of uh, Doctor um, or uh, Brother Yongi Cho. How many of you have ever heard that name? And uh, spiritually, it's a perfect story of what God does through faith. And you say, "Man, I don't know about that." But Doctor Yongi Cho, um, he had been dying on his deathbed, and he was uh, not a Christian. And everybody had written him off as already dead. And God uh, sent a young girl just to bring him a Bible. And in his dying days, he started reading the Bible. Now, remember, Dr. yongyi Cho pastors the largest church in the world and has for the last 40 years, okay? Very large church in uh, South Korea, And when he started reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit began to give him promises and raised him from his deathbed and began to teach him to have faith. And and the way that he taught him is just like this young lady that was praying over her womb. They got a promise. That promise was uh, inside of her. And she had the faith to see it through. And Dr. Yong-Yi Cho, what's really funny about it is he would go around... And uh, he needed certain things. He was living in poverty. Had no church at that point, just became a Christian. And God said, what do you need to do the work of the ministry? He said, I need a bicycle and I need a desk. And so God said, I'm going to give you that. And so he would walk around and tell everybody he was pregnant. And they would say, what are you talking about? he said, the Lord gave me a promise and I believe it. And so he went for a little while and they thought he was crazy. Remember, he ends up having the biggest church in the world. But he goes around telling everybody he's pregnant. And they said, what do you mean? The Holy Spirit has given me promises. And so he goes on a little while longer and nothing happens with his desk and his bike. So finally he says, God, why do I not see the desk and the bike? And he said, you didn't tell me what kind you wanted. And so God was teaching him to be a little bit more specific. So he says, well, I want one of those American bikes because they're the best bikes. And I want this kind of a desk. And God said, okay, you should have told me earlier. <laughs> and this is how God does promises, okay? He will supernaturally give you a promise from him, from the word of God. And uh, God wants you to do your part in seeing it into fulfillment. Say, well, man, I would rather complain or worry or have anxiety. And see, that's not what God wants but this. God wants us to put it before him. God wants us to believe. God wants us to not let go of his promises. And God wants us to see it through. And when you do that, you know how God becomes so huge in your life. In fact, this church, the last four years, we've seen that exact process people holding on to promises, people believing in promises, people not looking to what's around them. That's what they've done in their ministry, and God's raising up his people to do that. And uh, brother, I'm glad that you mentioned the anointing upon this worship team. Our leader, Ryan, and uh, this worship team has an anointing. So before we dismiss today, let's just worship one time, and if, and if I can remind you, don't forget, we've got the box back there for offerings. Please mark it. In the uh, don't forget about it. But let's worship together. Let's just begin to think about those things this brother has brought to our attention today, and begin to live it out. Hallelujah. amen Such a powerful anointing. Um, where's Brother Kent at? Come on up here. Praise the Lord. How many appreciate Brother Kent? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're gonna have uh, Brother Todd next week, and uh, so we're gonna pray a blessing over Brother Kent in this ministry. Hallelujah. Everybody, put your hands forward here. My elders, come up here. We're gonna close a word of prayer and just pray God's anointing. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, right now we appreciate this brother, Lord. Lord, the anointing that is upon him, Lord God, the faith, Lord God, that you put in him, Lord God, I pray that that anointing, Lord God, would be magnified, Lord God. Oh, Father, that there would be a greater and greater anointing upon my brother, Lord. Lord, that the uh, gifts of the Spirit, Lord God, would, uh, would follow him everywhere that he goes and follow the word of God, everything that he speaks, Lord God, let it be followed by signs and wonders, Lord God. Oh, Father, Father, that there'd be an anointing upon his hands, Lord God, an anointing upon his words, Lord. Father, I pray right now that you would go ahead of him, Lord. Everywhere that he goes, Lord God, everywhere that he ministers, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you would go before him, that you would prepare the way. Oh, Lord, that you would glorify yourself, Lord, that you would be to the left and to the right, Lord God, and even behind him, Lord God, mighty warring angels, Lord God. Father, that would go in advance, Lord God, would fight every battle, Lord God. Oh, Father, that they would walk in that anointing, Brother Kent and Brother Todd, Lord, that you would bless them, Lord, that you would change the lives of so many people, Lord God, in Russia and around the world, Lord. Mighty anointing, strengthen them, encourage them, Lord, provide for them. Lord, be mighty, Lord God, in this ministry. Lord, continue to do great things, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord, because your your ear is inclined to us right now, Lord God. You hear us, Lord, Lord, and you're acting on our behalf, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We say, "So be it, Lord." Love you, bro.